Last week, we started a sermon series called But God. And this is going to continue, kind of this is be our overall theme for this year. And we're going to look at different stories throughout Scripture where the odds were dismal, to say the least. Where by any human standard, any human measure, there is no way man's going to succeed. But God. But God shows up and does what only God can do. But God shows up and does incredible, miraculous things. But God shows up and he shows off. And he does incredible, incredible things. Last week we looked at what it meant to live this but God kind of lifestyle. And how it starts with us. Are we living a life of holiness? Are we living a, li- living a life of, of righteousness that God has called us to live? starts with living a but God kind of lifestyle. And today we're going to talk about another word that's of what it means to live this but God kind of lifestyle. And that word is compassion. Compassion. At the beginning of the year, I challenged you to read through the Bible in a year with us. If you look in the back of your bulletin on the back page, you'll see the different days of the week and different scriptures there. And if, if you haven't started yet or fell behind, there's still time to catch up. It's, it's early. But it's just simply a couple chapters in the Old Testament, a couple chapters in the New Testament, and a, a few verses in the, the books in the middle there called the wisdom literature. And I love starting in the book of Matthew. I love reading through the gospel narratives at the life of Jesus Christ and his ministry, his time here on earth. And as we started in the book of Matthew, just in these first few chapters, what stood out to me is the number of times that Matthew talks about compassion. The number of times that we read that Jesus had compassion, the number of times that we are called to have compassion. I don't know if you know much about Matthew, but you might be a little uh, struck by this, the frequency of compassion. Let me fill you in a little bit if you don't know much about Matthew. The book of Matthew was written by a guy named Matthew. Shocker, I know. He's a disciple of Jesus. He's called as he's running his tax collecting booth. And we know that another name he often goes by is Levi. And by these things, we know two things about Matthew specifically. One, that is very, at the very least... His parents were good Jewish parents. Levi's a good, strong Jewish name. That at the very least, he would have been educated in some degree of Jewish law, of the Old Testament law. We also know that being a tax collector, he wasn't really liked. He was really not liked by the Jews. I can only imagine the, the way his parents felt about him. He was seen as a traitor You were a Jew, but now you're working for the Roman government? They weren't liked. Not at all. And it's odd to see compassion so frequently throughout his writings. Because as we we look at the book of Matthew, knowing the Old Testament, being familiar in the Old Testament, he brings out Old Testament quotes Scriptures in the Old Testament that point like this is God. This is the Son of God that we've been expecting that the Old Testament Scriptures talk about. And as we look at the religious leaders of the day, compassion is not a word to describe them. Compassion's not really a word that was used to describe how most Jews during this time even saw the Old Testament. A bunch of laws, a bunch of rules. 
And Jesus actually speaks quite harshly about this. Matthew 23 says, The scribes and the Pharisees sit on Moses' seat, so do and observe what they tell you, but not the works they do. For they preach, but they do not practice. They tie up heavy burdens hard to bear and lay them on the people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with their finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. There's other times that Jesus speaks very harshly about them, calling them whitewashed tombs and and other very uh, degrading things. But the more time that Matthew spends with Jesus, the more time he realizes this isn't the Old Testament. What I've been taught, what I've learned, what I see in the religious leaders of the day, that's not the Old Testament. Jesus, this compassion, this is what God is talking about throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And he sees the Old Testament in a new way. He sees Christ. He sees God in this new ways, in a way of compassion. And so he brings it out frequently in his writings. And we are commanded to have a heart of compassion like God. To understand that, we must first understand empathy. The difference between sympathy and empathy and compassion. Brene Brown is a, is a very well-known, accredited researcher and author and speaker. And I think she explains empathy better than I can. Rarely, if ever, is it 
Empathy builds connection. It's getting down in a hole with somebody. It's being with them. But it's at that moment that empathy becomes compassion because compassion involves action. It's very easy to, be, to have sympathy. Oh, that stinks to be you. It's even somewhat easy to, to, to be empathetic, to understand what someone else is going through. Similar situations, similar circumstances can, can put us there. But then to do something about it is where it becomes compassion. And that is what we are called to do. I think Paul gives us the best advice in these circumstances. In Romans twelve fifteen. he says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. It's being with them. Celebrating the good times with them. And sometimes just shutting up and crying with them when they're crying. But it's being there. It's being there, even that simple action of taking time out of your day and sitting there and being with them is compassion. It means getting a little dirty. It means getting down in the weeds of life with people. It's never easy. It's never convenient. It takes time out of our day, and it's just not a convenient thing, an easy thing for us to do. But that is what we are called to do. Matthew chapter 9, 13, Jesus says, But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous but the sinners. And a little later in Matthew, he says it again. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. Just like the religious leaders of the day and Jesus' disciples, he had to say this over and over we have to remind ourselves over and over that what it means to be a Christian, what it means to do ministry, is to have compassion on others. Matthew chapter 14, I love this chapter, this section here. I think it's a beautiful story of compassion and ministry. And if I had to boil down ministry, what ministry means into one word, it would be this word compassion. And this is what we see Jesus having and doing here in Matthew chapter 14. He just finds out about John the Baptist being beheaded. John the Baptist was not only his cousin and a good friend, but in the Old Testament it talks about someone coming and preparing the way for Christ. And that is John the Baptist. He speaks and he comes and he tells people that Christ is here and he's coming. And they have this unique, special, and close relationship. And he gets word that John the Baptist has been beheaded. In Matthew 14, 13, it says, Now when Jesus heard about John, he withdrew from there in a boat to a secluded place by himself. And when, he heard, and when the people heard of this, they followed him on foot from the cities. If you've ever lost a close friend or loved one, you know this feeling of, I just, I want to be left alone for a minute. I need time to grieve personally, and I, I love the, the love that I'm feeling from other people, but I just need time by myself. And that's what Jesus is trying to do here, trying to get away from everything, to be alone with God, his Father in heaven, and, and just grieve and spend some time alone. But he gets to the other side of the, of, 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 um, of the sea, and it says in Matthew 14, 14, when he went ashore, he saw a large crowd and felt compassion for them and healed their sick. He put his personal time on hold so that he could minister, he could have compassion on others. Mark tells us that the reason he had compassion, Mark 6, 24, because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
He put what he was doing on pause to teach them, to heal their sick. And this is also where he feeds the 5,000. He ministers to them. He has compassion on them. And it's beautiful. This is what it means to be a Christian. It means putting our life on hold sometimes. Putting what we want to do. Sometimes what we need to do on hold to minister and serve others. We do a lot of ministry here in the church. There's a lot of, of opportunities to serve, to get involved. We do a lot of community outreach. We're involved with Mechanicsville Elementary School. Even nights like Trunk or Treat, they're a lot of fun. I've been, I talked to just a new couple a couple weeks ago that heard the music, came to see what it was, and they checked out church within the last couple weeks here. We do a lot of ministry here, but ministry, your ministry, what happens here is such a small part of it. It's when you're at work, how you interact with your coworkers and how you do your job. It's when you have people over for dinner. It's when you have people over for a game night. It's when you are with people, when you have compassion, when you put yourself in their shoes, when you feel with them and you serve them, you minister to them, you rejoice in their celebrations and you weep in their hurt and their pain with them. That's what it means to do ministry. That's what it means to have compassion. And I don't want to get too, too far down a rabbit hole here, but I think it's important to mention as well in Matthew 14, as soon as Jesus is finished with the crowd, he finished feeding them, it's getting late, it's getting dark. And Matthew 14, 23 says, After he sent the crowds away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And it was evening, he was there alone. Jesus doesn't forget what he came here to do. He came here after hearing the news of John the Baptist, and he came to spend time alone with God his Father. And even though he puts it on pause, here he hits resume. And he goes upon the mountain to pray. Ministry and compassion does not replace your relationship with God. It does not define entirely your relationship with God. For years now, this has been something that I, I have really stressed about. In getting married and thinking about marriage in the future, I've talked with a lot of pastors who work 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Sometimes that's just ministry life. But sometimes what happens is that they confuse their job at their church with their relationship with Christ. And I've talked with some pastors who said it's come close to wrecking their marriage and their family. And I've talked with others who said it has wrecked my marriage and my family. And it terrifies me to death. I love this job. I love working here. I love vocational ministry. But it is not my relationship with God. I'm blessed this summer to be marrying a girl who knows that. She understands the demands of ministry. She knows that some weeks I need to work 80 hours. But she reminds me, this is a job. And there's a portion of this job that's also ministry. But it is never my relationship with God. And that's on me. I have to be disciplined and I have to be aware enough to know the difference and to be pouring into my relationship with God and not seeing my relationship with God as just my job at the church. And it's not just pastors that can struggle with this, but, but you too. 
It's easy to come to church just once a week and see this as your relationship with God. But if you're not in his word on a daily basis, if you're not praying in, on a daily basis in the presence of God, if all you do is come to church once a week and you don't think about God again until you come back, do you really have a relationship with God? If you don't have a heart of compassion, if you're not involved in ministry in your life, not talk, I'm not talking about at the church here, but in your life, do you really have a relationship with God? It takes work. It takes effort. It's not easy. Paul in Colossians 3.12 says, So as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. I love the way Paul puts this as far as putting on a heart of compassion. It's not easy. You talk to people who have been, uh, who really seem to get what it means to be compassionate, those who seem to be really good at showing compassion, and they'll tell you it takes work, it takes effort, it takes energy. They'll tell you it doesn't come easily. They have something that they've worked on for years. And it might be easier now, but it's still not easy. I want to share with you two reasons I believe compassion is very, very, very difficult. The first is forgiveness. It's hard to have compassion if we don't first forgive. It's hard to serve others the way we should if we can't forgive them. Matthew recounts a time where Peter asked how often we should forgive. Matthew 18 says, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often should I, shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus says to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. And the idea that Jesus is communicating is this, not to keep a log. 70 times seven and then that's it. No more forgiveness. But forgive because God has forgiven you. Because of your relationship with God, we are to forgive others. And I could go on talking about forgiveness for hours and hours, but you don't want to be here overnight, so I'm not going to do that. Forgiveness does not mean forgetting. Forgiveness does not mean sweeping it under the rug and, oh, they asked for forgiveness, so they're good. Forgiveness puts us in a place to have compassion. Forgiveness knows that they're going to have to answer for, to God for what they've done. But I've been told to have compassion. I've been told to serve them. And that's what I'm going to do. I think the other thing that makes uh, uh, compassion difficult, not just forgiveness, but it requires creativity. It's not always so cut and dry. In this circumstance, this is how you show compassion. In this case, this is how you show compassion. People are different. Situations are different. Our gifts and our talents are different. How we show love, how we show compassion is different. So it takes some creativity. Sometimes it takes a whole lot more creativity than others. A couple weeks ago, Andy Savage is a prevalent pastor, and he announced to his congregation, good-sized congregation, three campuses, that 20 years ago, as a youth minister in Texas, he had a sexual incident with a high school student. He mentioned how things were handled at the church there. He asked for forgiveness. And then he asked for the congregation to be able to forgive him as well. 
when he finished his statement, the congregation stood and applauded for a solid 20 seconds. I have to believe that they had not read the woman's blog post yet that she posted the week prior. I don't know the situation. I haven't talked with them. But I know that his statement and her story do not line up. What he describes as a sexual incident is at least more described as sexual abuse. And when he says things were handled, she says they were covered up and they were never addressed. I think as we look at having compassion on this woman, it takes some creativity because she's not here. She's not here with us. She's removed, and we don't know her. But unless we do something, we can have empathy, but we can't have compassion. So it takes some creativity of how do we show compassion to this woman? I think one of the ways is that we can pray. And I'm not talking just about a, Lord, please be with this woman, amen, just a simple prayer, but actually deep, passionate prayer to God for her. And not just for her, but other men and women who have been abused as children. It's a lot more frequent than we like to admit. And often it just seems like it's covered up. I think we can passionately pray for her and other men and women in her shoes. I think another way that we can have compassion is to be outspoken, whether it's social media or in conversations with our friends. This is unacceptable. Absolutely unacceptable. And we speak with compassion toward her and others in similar situations. I know what Scripture says. And I know that I should have some compassion for this pastor as well. But I'll be honest, it's difficult. There's a part of me that doesn't want to forgive him. There's a part of me that, after reading her story, after seeing his and, and reading his statement, I don't know if I can. It's difficult. Compassion isn't easy. I can say for sure, though, if it were to ever happen here, if it were ever to happen in a church where I have a say of what happens, there's no doubt they step down immediately. It is absolutely unacceptable. But I think compassion means walking with them through the healing process. As difficult as that would be, walking through them as they ask for grace and forgiveness to those that they've hurt, the relationships that they've hurt and the trust that's been broken. Walking with them as they rebuild their marriage, their family. Walking with them through counseling. Working with them as they try to put the pieces back together. It's not easy. And it takes a whole lot of forgiveness and I'm not trying to downplay it whatsoever. It is absolutely, absolutely unacceptable what he did and what any abuser does. And we cannot stand for that. 
And that's where it gets difficult because we have to learn how to show compassion without agreeing with what they did. We have to learn how to show compassion, how to love them without agreeing with any sin or anything that they've done or anything that goes against God's word. And it's not easy. Too often I feel like we just dismiss it if it happens in the church. And we highlight it when it happens outside the church. To people inside the church, we say, well, they ask for forgiveness, it's okay, and we kind of just brush it away. Oh, well, they're just young. They'll learn. It seems like we have more compassion and more of a willingness to forgive if they're inside the church. But do you realize that Jesus did the opposite? He was the harshest on the religious leaders of the day. And he showed the most compassion to those who were outside the faith, those who were outcast, those who were cast aside, those who no one wanted, the marginalized in society. That's who he had the most compassion on. He never compromised his morals. He found a way of holding, holding strong to God's truth while loving them and showing compassion. And that's what we are called to do as well. For the unwed mother to support and encourage and have compassion while not supporting sex before marriage. For those who are homeless, some of them by their own doing, not all by any means, we support, we encourage, we walk alongside them. We have compassion without enabling, without approving of the decisions that they've made that have landed them there. For men and women who have struggled with that tough choice of abortion, we love, we have compassion, we walk through them, through this time with them, while at the same time grieving the life that was lost. It's not easy, but this is what we are called to do. This is how we minister to people. We have empathy, we identify with them, but it goes a step further than that. We walk with them. We celebrate when they rejoice, we weep, and we cry when they're hurting and when they're, when they're experiencing pain. This is what it means to be a Christian. And it's impossible on our own because of the amount of forgiveness it requires, because of the amount of creativity that we have to come before God and put on this heart of compassion. It is a choice that we make every day, and on our own it's impossible, but God. But God makes it possible. But God gives us the strength, but God gives us the wisdom, but God gives us the courage to be compassionate. I remember it wasn't long after I started that Mark shared with me a quote from Bob Russell. He said, the hardest thing about ministry is keeping a thick skin and a soft heart. I know, now know that what he means is a heart of compassion. Father God, we come before you and apologize for the times that we have not shown compassion when we should have. It's not an easy thing to do, but God, I just pray that you give us the boldness and the strength and the wisdom 
to be compassionate toward others, to know and take that step to forgive them even when they may not deserve it, and know how to walk through them in times of hurt and pain that we just don't understand. God, we do know that you understand hurt, you understand pain, you lived this life, you lived in this world, and you get it. Help us to depend on you while we minister to others, while we show compassion to others. Give us the boldness and the strength to do that, to keep a thick skin and a heart of compassion. God, we love you. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.